Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another edition of the Culture Ops Podcast. So it's been just over two months since many of us shifted from being office-based companies to working remotely. And with the vast majority of us able to continue to deliver remotely, it looks like we'll be the last ones to go back into offices. So as the dust begins to settle, it gives us an opportunity to maybe look back and reflect on some of the things we've learned during this process. So today, I'm really excited uh, to explore the question of how do you take a 750-person company remote overnight? And to do that with me today, I need to welcome Tom Frame, Head of People at Bulb. Hey, Tom. Hey, Ben. How you doing? I'm all right. Thanks very much. I'm sat in my living room. Um, it's somewhat sunny outside. Uh, I, if you can hear noise in the background, um, that's traffic, people wandering past. Sometimes the odd, uh, cyclist blasting out music. Um, and this is my new working environment. Yeah, there you go. I feel like, um, I feel like you're in East London. Is that true? Yeah. I live, uh, on the border of Dalston and Hackney, uh, and I live in an old pub which means it's right on a really busy corner. Uh, and so there's traffic, people. Um, it was quiet for about the first week of lockdown, and it seems like it's slowly returning to um, something approaching normal. Yeah, nice. Um, a good place for a pub on a corner, but maybe a bad place for a flat. Who knows? Um, so I doubt there's anyone listening um, who doesn't know what Bulb do, but let's assume that maybe there are some, and I guess let's put you on the spot. So um, tell us what Bob does and and then tell us what you do there. Cool. Um, so we're Bob. We're a renewable energy supplier. Um, and so we, um, we help people switch from uh, traditional forms of energy to renewable energy. And we do that in a way that is tech-led, but also supported by an awesome service um and we're the first and only energy company in the uk that's also a b corp so we're really passionate about um doing business in the right way um being part of the green recovery um and the new green economy that um that we're starting to build and my job um i'm um i'm actually the chief people officer at bulb which means i look after recruitment uh, our employee experience and also our workspace uh, all of which have been massively affected obviously by changes over the last few months you are the chief of the people what a what a title what a title um so look tell me honestly how prepared do you think you were at bowl for this so i feel quite smug about this because um at the towards the end of january when the headlines first started coming out of china about this um this new coronavirus that was causing cities to be locked down um 
a few of us started emailing one another saying that we thought that we should be prepared. Uh, and we started having meetings um, at the very end of January about what would happen if something like this came to, came to the UK. And at the beginning, those meetings were sort of... Um, at the beginning, those meetings were looking at business continuity in general because we thought it was a good topic to consider, but we didn't necessarily think that coronavirus was going to be the big thing that it was. Um, but it gave us a bit of a head start, and it meant that every, uh, every time things escalated, it, we had already started thinking about and preparing what was coming. It's mm. really, really nice, and I'm quite jealous, I guess, because... I, I definitely didn't think it was going to be um, the thing that it ended up being. No, we all, was... like at the start, we definitely didn't think that, but we thought what, like we don't really have a, a like established and well-practiced contingency plan for a situation like this. We're prepared for loads of other stuff, but not something like this. And it was lucky that we started that thought process. What about you know your technology, your technology, and and your culture? How robust and ready for remote life were those two areas? Yeah, I, one of my observations as I watched the switch to fully remote working is that we had accidentally been preparing for this in all sorts of different ways at Bulb. We have a really agile culture uh, where we change teams all the time, we change locations in the office all the time, um, and we have this tradition of reshuffles where uh, overnight we will switch the pods that people work in so that they experience different management, they get to meet different people, um, and knowledge gets spread around the organization. And in January, we did one of these reshuffles for about the 500 people that we had in the office at the time. And that involved everybody picking up their monitors, picking up their laptops, clearing their desks, and shuffling them to a different part of the office. Um, and it was so similar to the process that we then did six or seven weeks later when we started preparing people to work from home. So that, um, that agility um, was good prep for a pandemic. Yeah, is, is agility something that you use to define you know, the foundations of your culture at Bulb? Yeah, I think we focus a lot. I mean, agility is a word that's often used in, in like tech product design teams. Uh, we use it right the way through our organization. And we want to build a team that is able to respond fast um, and is resilient to change. And those are some of the principles that kind of helped us come through this. I think I'd like a really interesting question to ask is, if I ask that same question to a member of the team, you know, I, I know that a big, big part of your organization is being able to support customers, right? And you really pride yourself on amazing and excellent um, customer service, which as a customer, I can, I can definitely vouch for. If I ask one of those energy specialists, you know, how well do they think Bulb was um, prepared for this? Do you think, do you think you get a similar answer? Yeah, we, um, we asked people that question. Um, so we started including in our employee feedback over the last eight weeks um, how people feel, how well they feel like we've handled the pandemic, what more they need to be able to work effectively remotely. Um, and the feedback from the team has been really positive. And uh, 
I guess because we have an agile culture and because we change our plans in response to what's going on quite a lot, sometimes I would imagine people in our team um, haven't always felt like we've been really prepared for stuff. Um, whereas with this, we heard good feedback that people have been reassured by our approach. And that's something that I'm really proud of. In the leadership team, we were reflecting that this transition is one of the most difficult things we've done as a company over the last four and a half years we've been around. Um, and so I'm, I'm really proud that it was on this really important and difficult topic. Yeah, that's really cool. Kudos for, for, for asking. I think that's one of the one of the things that people really, you know, often avoid is that is that two way feedback and making sure there's, you know, the opportunity for people to critique and, and ask questions of, and and probe the decisions that have been made. Looking back, I guess, in the last couple of months, what what's the thing that surprised you most about shifting a team of seven hundred and fifty people remote overnight? I think. The easy thing to say, and something I definitely want to say, is the resilience and determination and flexibility that people have shown in like getting to a work setup that works for them. I'll get on video calls with people, and you'll be able to tell from their backgrounds that they're either in a, um, you know, they're sat on their their bed working at a tiny little desk, or they're back at their parents' house, like in the room that they grew up when they were a kid. Um, lots of people have um, shown a ton of flexibility and creativity in setting themselves up well. Um, I think something that surprises me all the time at the moment, and this is less about the shift remote and more about the world that we work in, is how difficult it is to understand how you're doing because everything has changed. Um, as a result of coronavirus. So we've seen the patterns that our members show in contacting us having changed. Um, we've seen the mix of topics that we work on having changed. And then obviously our energy specialists are swimming in different water um, now that they're remote and no longer in the office. And we've always used the, la- the previous week to work out whether we're doing better or worse than before. And suddenly when all of your historical data um, relates to like a completely different scenario to the one you find yourself in it's quite difficult to work out um the effect of some of the changes you're making yeah that's really that's that's really interesting i think that resilience point is is such a good one and i you know this podcast is not about the charlie team it's about it's about bob as an organization but it's definitely the thing that i've been most grateful for and noticed the most within our team you know, I think everyone's everyone struggled with this, and yeah, just this insane ability for people to keep moving and stay focused is is pretty is pretty impressive. We've made the time a lot to say thank you to the team, um, which isn't always something that we've been great at doing at Bold. We haven't always been great at stopping and celebrating our successes along the way because we set a really high standard and we have really high ambitions and aspirations. Um, but it's been really easy to stop and say thank you through this time because it's just been so clear uh, um, the challenging circumstances in which people are operating and and the amazing way in which they've responded. Yeah. What's the feedback you'd give yourself as an organisation 
like you know what are the areas for for improvement working in a kind of remote capacity i think i remember my first manager when i first started working and i was talking to him about development um he was saying to me that communication is on his development plan every quarter and it will never be off his development plan because it's always something you can get better at and i think we communicated really well with our team um in the run up to the pandemic i think we still communicate really openly and transparently with the team now but i i do feel like there is even more effort that's required to land messages to help people feel included to make sure that debates are happening really robustly um when you're working remotely and so i think i would probably give myself the feedback that we could have done more more quickly to think about how people might communicate differently in this new world and make sure that was happening and what about you as a leader how do you kind of how do you review yourself i mean i i, I definitely have been unable to do my job in the way that i'm used to doing it and that's been that's been really uncomfortable and i'm definitely not as good at doing the things that i do when i'm staring i'm staring i'm staring down a screen and so how do how yeah how do you critique yourself yeah so i think what i've you get quite a lot of moments to reflect during an experience like this um but one of the things that i've really noticed is i've been in firefighting mode for so long in the run up to this crisis then through the process of adjusting to working remotely and then more recently as we've started to think about how we position our business for long term success um that i think i've become a bit sort of intellectually burnt out uh, and my ability to do creative or strategic thinking just seems less uh, it's less that bit of my brain is less available to me than it has been in the past and i think it was about a week ago that i realized that i hadn't spent any time with my team thinking about the future because we'd been so focused on what was happening now um and so i think that's an that's something that i'm looking to improve as a leader how i get myself out of that um firefighting mode push some of that responsibility down to my team and then create some space with them to think about the long term i went to this um went to this um meeting with wired yesterday where they had a futurist along who was talking about how you forecast in times like these and something that he said is all of the models that futurists uh he described himself as like a like a forecaster all the models that they use break down in times like this because it's impossible to predict the future um and we as human beings are inherently future focused and we're spending loads of our energy trying to predict and prepare for a future that is impossible to predict and uh, there was a point where he just looked down the camera and said and that's why you feel so tired and i thought to myself yes that is exactly why i feel so tired yeah it's so interesting isn't it? we can't generate that level of comfort that we that we get from knowing at least some semblance of what tomorrow next week next month next year is going to look like it's really it's really hard right those fundamental questions like i think about them on a personal level like you know when are you going to be able to give your parents a hug again when are you going to be able to 
walk into a friend's house um, and have dinner again. Uh, and when you can't quite imagine when some of that stuff is going to happen, it's equally hard to imagine when, like, what the future is going to look like for the workplace or even for your business. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah, it's incredibly, it's incredibly tiring. Um, I kind of, I had the same epiphany myself and yeah, it was more that I hadn't, I hadn't shifted, I hadn't shifted my viewpoint from we've got this big old Corona shaped fire that we need to put out. And actually almost that was blinkering me from thinking about the things that we really needed to think about so that we can emerge from this strong and stable. Yeah. Strong and stable. Um, the like if you think about the the dynamic between your previous your historical data and no longer quite telling you useful stuff about about now and the future being so uncertain that it's really difficult to plan you find yourself living in this weird anxious present which i think is kind of what you're describing and, and where i've been and i am optimistic we were talking a bit about this before the podcast that um that teams and organizations can start thinking about how they position themselves for success as we come out of this. Um, but there's certainly, it's certainly much more difficult to work out how to do that. Hmm. So, so, so far you've mentioned, I guess, two attributes, agility and resilience as you know, values, behaviors, attributes, whatever you want to call them that have, helped the organization adapt to having to a face a crisis but also go remote are there any more attributes values behaviors that you notice within the organization that were that were there before this happened that have helped ease that transition so one of our values is we take care um, and that's about taking care of our members taking care of one another um, and also in an industry that is um, that is an essential service basically making sure that we take care of all of our important regulatory responsibilities as well and I think that is an attribute that has been much more at the forefront of how people interact with one another and think about their responsibilities at work than um, than it has been in the past it's always been a part of our mix but it's really come to the forefront and so examples of that would include um, team members looking out for and looking after one another. Like we have a principle of making sure that everybody um, everybody speaks to somebody else on their team at least once a day. So everybody's checked in, and we know that we know that everybody is okay. Um, it's it's like showed itself in the way that some of our team have tried to resolve some of our members' really difficult issues because you know one of the other real complicated things at the moment is. Our member contact now is um, is much more distressing in some cases than it has been before because we're speaking to people in difficult financial situations or who are themselves under a huge amount of mental um, pressure. And um, and we've also one of the things that we were quick to do uh, was to roll out some mental health tools that we'd been testing and piloting. Um, and so we were able to take care of the team by giving them access to um, to a much wider range of mental health support. And mm. so that you know that's always been one of our values, but it's it's been like right out in front um, in the last couple of months. 
And then I guess the flip side to that question, which is, is there a value that, yeah, apart from the ones we've already talked about, is there a value that has shone through? And you touched on resilience, so maybe it's that, but is there a value that that's shone through that you think, oh, wow, actually we had we had this there, but we didn't know it. And this is going to be something that we talk about and we indoctrinate in a much more formal sense as part of the company's culture. I, I, so I, I wouldn't describe this as a value, but I think it's something that we have learned. Um, like it's, it's something that has been made different by coronavirus that we will try and make a bigger part of our culture afterwards, which I think is, is, is kind of what you're getting at. Um, we spotted that some of our teams just massively increased their performance and their contribution in the weeks after lockdown was announced. Um, and it was teams where they suddenly had a really clear direction. And that clear direction was, for example, we need to put a phone line in place for members who are over 70. So we need to find a way of identifying people's age either before they call us or during the call. And then we really quickly need to um, create an emergency phone line for them and route that through to our most experienced energy specialists. And we were able to spin that up much more quickly than we would have been able to do um, under normal circumstances. And our hypothesis for that is that the direction that was given to the team suddenly became absolutely crystal clear. Um, and there was also a really clear and compelling reason for why that needed to happen. And the result of that was people working really quickly to really high quality to deliver something really, really essential. And I think um, understanding how you get that crispness of direction, that clarity of vision, um, and apply that to all of our problems is something we're going to look to do. It's a great lesson in communication of objective and communication of priority. Yeah, totally. When the priority is so obvious. And and I guess it's supported by the kind of the context that's going on around everyone. Yeah, and who knows? Like maybe there's I've personally found it motive really motivating to be working in a, a company that is considered an essential service at the moment. Um, and it's kind of like, it's not that I don't think it's the same as being an NHS worker. Like I imagine that I hope that NHS workers at the moment have their heads held higher than anyone else and are, are walking, walking even more proudly. But um, you get that same sort of feeling of being able to contribute to something essential in a time of crisis. Um, and I, I wonder whether that also um, is part of what helps people like find the strength and determination to get difficult stuff done. Hmm. There's a bit of a conversation at the moment, which is that we maybe have been using the office. I use we in the kind of broad generalist term. We've been, we've been using the office as a bit of a cultural crutch and that maybe it hasn't forced us to document and be rigorous about some of the aspects of our culture. Do you, do you know, does that make sense to you? Do you see, see any of that within other companies or any of that within Bulb? Yeah, I think, I think we've got a really good test of this. So I can't, give, I can't give you the answer, although we have tried quite hard to write down like what we think is important and to make sure that we, we share things in writing because we think it's the best way to 
it's the best way to do that. Um, but we've onboarded 135 people since we went into lockdown. Um, wow. So 17 point something percent of our company is, um, has never actually worked in our office, um, which is pretty extraordinary, right? Um, and the feedback we're hearing from that group is that our values are really clear um, and that it's very clear to them uh, how we hope that they're going to behave and how the people that they work with um, work differently to, to other places that they've worked. But we, um, I think within the next six months or so, we're, we're going to have a really good ability to tell um, what aspects of culture you learn in the office and what aspects of culture you can learn remotely. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. We've had a bit of a, bit of a similar situation. Um, not as many as you, but we've added four people remotely. Yeah. Um, How are they finding it? Yeah. I, I mean, I think the conversations that I've had with them, it, you know, they've been really positive. Equally, um, I'm always conscious that, that, you know, maybe there's a chance that people aren't going to be as honest with me as they might be to the person they're sitting next to, right? Like, you know, we can be as open open door we can be as you know vulnerable and 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 eager to have conversations but yeah when you're sitting in a position of responsibility there is just um there is just you know extra context that's attached to that so yeah you know like i think their perspective has been good but it is just really interesting having people in your team that you've never met face to face when you thought that meeting people face-to-face was the only way <laughs> to make good hiring decisions. And suddenly you're like, well, actually, this, I think this is a bloody good hire. And, and mate, yeah. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're um, hopefully adding some people to our leadership team over the next, um, over the next couple of weeks. And, and again, they will be people that we have never met in person. And you know, leadership hires are some of the most critical decisions that a CEO makes in their career. Um, and so... Mm. You know, it's just, this is an unimaginable world from the one that um, we stepped into at the beginning of this year, I think. I do, I do still think the office is going to have a part to play in our working culture. Uh, I know there are lots of companies who are considering going permanently remote. Um, I think that will work for some people. Um, we... The bit that I'm most concerned about, about our new team members coming in is missing out on all the learning effects that you get from working in a really close, um, a really close co-located team. Uh, being able to just like turn around to somebody next to you at the desk and ask how something works or like um, <clears throat> have a little corridor conversation with your manager if you need a tiny bit of direction. Uh, and I think companies that hire very experienced, professionalized um, talent might find it easier to transition to fully remote than, than organizations like us who um, have a high proportion of people who are in their first or second kind of full employment. Yeah. Um, and I'm really keen to make sure we fulfill our responsibility to those people who've joined us to make sure they have a great learning experience. Yeah, I, th- I think I definitely sit on the that side of the fence with you which is that i think there are there are definitely benefits of elements of co-location i think we'll probably co-locate less yeah um but i think we'll still look for opportunities to 
opportunities to do it and it will definitely be part of you know i guess our working our working strategy are there any things that you worry about in terms of your culture as you look to the future you know you you talked about you know spending more time looking strategically at the future you know if you can are there any are there any worries that have kind of bubbled up that are that are in your mind that are, that you're thinking about i have um don't think i've managed to put this into words yet so i'm going to try and do it for the first time now Great. i have a sort of um as a people person who's always worked kind of in or near what's felt like the HQ of the company that I've worked for, I've always relied loads on just being able to walk around the office and chat to people and like kind of sniff the, sniff the air to understand what's going on in the organization. Obviously we have like loads more sophisticated tools to back up that intuition, um, which help, but I have this weird feeling that even though we've added 135 people, that our company and our culture is somehow a little bit frozen at the moment. That like the moment that we walked out of the office and moved to remote, we kind of pressed pause on on something. Mm. Um, and it might just that might just be a personal thing because I I know that loads of stuff is changing, um, but I also feel like some of the kind of currents that have changed our culture probably happened through people getting together um, spontaneously in small groups in a physical location to make things different. Mm. And so I'm just curious about whether that's how it feels. I lived in the US for a year and a half and I remember feeling then like I was sort of, because I knew I was only going to be there for a, a medium term period of time. I felt a bit like my life was on pause because back home, everybody else's lives were continuing and people were doing grown up stuff like getting married or having kids or, or buying houses. Whereas I was in this experience elsewhere, kind of, kind of slightly frozen in time. And I, I sort of have that feeling a bit about what might happen to, um, to companies through this period. I think you've articulated something that I've been feeling and I've not been able to really articulate it. It's exactly that. It's that lockdown happened and we kind of went, cool, we'll go work this way, but but we're coming back to the old way almost. So we'll just... Right, exactly. So just put that, pause that for now. Yeah. And, and we've not maybe thought enough about, okay, actually, how should, how can we, how can we unpause those things? How can we unstick some of those things and start to move move the culture forward, adapt the culture, drive it, drive it so that we're adapting to the scenario rather than saying we're going to come back to where we were. Exactly. And I think that bit's coming next. And I think because we've been living in this anxious present of just trying to like work out what on earth is going on and how we respond to it, uh, we can probably give ourselves a break that we haven't yet got the next bit worked out. But I, you know, again, we were talking just before, I think we're both getting to the reflection that it, we're now able to pull our heads up a little bit and and start to look forwards. And I think you're totally right. It's it's not just going to be moving back to how things were. And I normally ask one more question, but I think that point is so important and so eloquently put. I'm actually just going to wrap us there and leave our listeners 
on tenterhooks, wondering how do you unpause a culture? And maybe we can, maybe we'll come back to that. Maybe and, they'll um, tell us. I hope they, I hope they tell us some of their great ideas. Yeah, if you if you got if you got any ideas on on what we could be doing, um, yeah, shoot them in. We love to hear. We love to hear them. Um, that was such an interesting conversation. Um, so I've I've got to I've got to say a big thank you to you, Tom. Thank you for joining us today. Cool. Stay safe and well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've got to thank Mel, our producer from behind uh, the virtual glass. Uh, it's actually her day off today, so she's not with us. Um, but she would be if she uh, if she if she wasn't having a nice holiday holiday, probably relaxing in the garden somewhere. To all of you listening along uh, at home in the garden uh, during uh, some exercise or a walk around the block, um, we really appreciate you sticking with us uh, throughout all of this. Remember, if you've got an issue, we've got ideas you'd like us to discuss. Drop us a line. I'm at Gately on Twitter. We're at Join Charlie. We look forward to seeing you again next week. I've been Ben Bratson Gately, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast. Mm-hmm.